another episode of the Purple and Bold podcast from Daily News Record, um, talking some JMU lacrosse, get into some spring football, uh, the time of year where there's a lot of stuff going on. Uh, but I know Noah's been out to a few lacrosse games here recently as the Dukes continue to roll 12 straight victories now. Another victory over a ranked team where they just they just crushed Richmond the other day. Um, kind of clicking on all cylinders. I don't know. I mean, if you could find anything to nitpick about this team right now, it might be like, are, are they peaking too early? Because it's you know still still April. I don't know. Like other than that, like what could you possibly say negatively about uh, what Jamie Lacrosse is doing right now? Well, that they lost to North Carolina, but you know, yeah. I think that's the only you know, if that's the only negative, it is what it is. And you know, North Carolina is on, a, you know, they're on a skid right now, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, across definitely taking care of business. Richmond, their final ranked opponent on the schedule for the regular season. You know, it was six to four after the first quarter. Jamie led, and they won twenty to ten. So that tells you how the, the rest of the game went. Um, they held Richmond off the off the board for almost thirty minutes. Um, from the middle of the second quarter to the early fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, they were dominant. The defense played well. Offensively, you know, they got a lot of contributors, which is something that's been a theme this year, balanced scoring. Bella doesn't have to score 10 goals for them to win. I mean, she scored four, and that's all they needed out of her. And, you know, she also had two assists, you know, playing unselfishly as well. So they're playing well. I don't think they're peaking. Like, I don't think that's the case. I think this is just a really good team. You know, they're number four in the country for a reason, and uh, they showed it. Yeah, um, you know, more and more, you can start to see the similarities to the 2018 team, um, where you know Bella might be Bella Peterson might be in a position where she gets an invite to the uh, Tuarton Awards. I don't think she's probably a favor to win it at this point, but um, you know, similar to Kirsten Gaudian being one of those you know top five-ish players in the country. She's she's really right there on the cusp of that right now. Um, getting good, uh, extremely good play in goal from Cat Buchanan. You know, as somebody who's a new keeper, very similar to where they were in 2018, where, you know, Molly Doggerty kind of came out of nowhere uh, to do that. They've got, you know, the balance on the attack. they got really good defense. They're winning draws. Most so- so much, yeah. I mean, so much of it is like really looking like the same kind of team that won it all uh, five years ago. It is. It's kind of cool how you know they have the you know a lot of similarities. You know, right? And and you know you touched on a lot of things there. I mean, Bella is sixth in the country with three point eight three goals a game. I mean, she's just outstanding. You know, and goals against average. You know, Cat is still third in the country. You know, it's her first year starting. And she's third in the country, just allowing um, 7.7 goals a game. Obviously, you know, that's really good. And uh, it's what's, you know, keeping this team in it. I mean, she makes some good saves. She also makes a lot of easy saves. And she she's a really good defender as well. You know, she can intercept passes from the crease. So, overall, this, this is a team that's got, you know, an elite defense with an elite offense. And I think if you if you want to make a run in May, this is, this is what you need. Yeah. Um, you know, you've been out to... Uh, some of the games recently, just yeah. when you talk to people, like what's the, uh, well, what's the vibe that you're picking up when you 
I mean, it never really changes with you know Shelly Clay's as a coach. But when you talk to players and stuff, like what's the vibe you're picking up? Yeah, I mean, they're really. I think they're really focused. You know, after the Richmond game, they talked about wanting to go undefeated against teams from the state of Virginia, and, and they did. You're right. That was the last team they needed to beat um, that they had left on the schedule. So I think they're they were focused on doing that, but they're just focused on taking it one game at a time. They already have a spot clinched in the American. I'm pretty sure. I mean, at this point. Um, just in like the tournament, I mean, it's top four teams. I'd assume that by now they they have a spot locked up at least, even if it's the four. But I doubt it. And you know, they're excited to play in a in a conference tournament. You know, they couldn't do it last year. They did it? They didn't need it, right? They got in at large, but now they. I mean, they don't need it again. But they're at least conf- They're excited to you know actually play for the title and you know be able to take a trophy home from from Philadelphia in a few weeks. Yeah. Um. You mentioned the uh, in-state thing, and I've heard I heard Shelley talk about that on their show recently um about how they want to dominate in state and they, they've done it to a large degree um in recent years too but it it's really been pretty incredible how they're picking up steam in that regard this season you can just go back and look at their schedule they started the season as you mentioned they lost north carolina the season opener uh north carolina is still considered a really good team you call it a skid they've got two, two losses all season like um but JMU has like number five. But JMU has passed them in the uh, national rankings at this point. The second game of the season, JMU wins eight to six at Virginia Tech. In uh, an okay Virginia Tech team, I don't think you know, that was that was not JMU's best performance of the season by by any measure. But then it just you know that's when the dominance kind of starts. You go down the list. Of, you know they beat Liberty by eight goals. They beat a really good UVA team by a couple of goals. Um, you know, that, that, that's pretty one. I don't want to say it's one of the most impressive uh, performances of the season, but like, that's, a, that's up there as far as, you know, their, their good wins, even though they weren't completely dominant in that one. Um, ODU. I don't, I don't even know what to it say was, about it was 15 to nothing. Yeah. That's, that's it, all you need to know. <laughs> it, it could have been, it could have been 20 to nothing. If JMU, like not even to like, run it up but just to like not really take their foot off the gas like they did i mean they I played mean, all through their goal yeah yeah i mean and it was just yeah it was it was a running clock early in the in the first half like that that's how bad that uh that game was um yeah, for those that don't know running clock has to be a, a 10 goal lead yeah <laughs> yeah it, it was like it was 10 to nothing before it hardly even started like that was how how much they crushed odu but then I think it's really impressive that they turn around then against Richmond, who, you know, ODU's in a place where they're trying to build a program that can compete in the in the American, and um, they're they're not there yet. Yeah, clearly. Um, Richmond is a pretty good team. We beat Virginia this year. Yeah, Richmond um, was ranked for a reason. Um, you know, I think you know the expectation all along was that Jamie was going to win that game, but I don't think. You know that they were just gonna, you know, roll past them, and it was one of those um, situations that's sort of becoming typical, where you know they just at some point have that run in them where they, you know, just turn it into a blowout, and you know, twenty goals on that team is pretty incredible, especially when you go back and look at what we were talking about early in the season was that they were winning with defense, they were winning games eight to six, eight to seven. 12 10 and now you know like i said they 
they uh, kind of intentionally made a point to not score 20 goals on ODU. I mean, they could have scored 40 goals in the last two games e- easily if they had really wanted to. Yeah, probably. I mean, you know, this is a good offense, you know, against uh, Richmond. When they held them, you know, without a goal for, for 29 minutes and 15 seconds, you know, Jamie went on a 10 nothing run. Yeah. That blew the game open. It was pretty close until that point. Yeah. Um, you know, just, you know, we talked about a few individuals. Anybody else that um, recently has stood out to you as just kind of, you know, turning it on and becoming a part of the reason that, you know, Jamie is looking so good on the lacrosse field right now? You got Ty Jankowski, who's you know obviously the number two option, you know, attacking wise. You know, she she finds her spots, but you know against Richmond, it, they didn't need. She only had one goal, uh, I think, on like seven or eight shots. Um, but you know, Lily Boswell stepped up, career high four goals, and, and you know, I think I think what's most impressive about this team is they've had I think thirteen or fourteen different goal scorers this year, and you know, I think eight of them have eight or more goals. So they're getting a lot of different contributors, which a lot of the girls have you know really attributed that to Colleen Shearer and. And, you know, her style of play on offense coming from Virginia, you know, as an assistant. Now she's an assistant at, at, at JMU. And she's kind of, you know, they, they, they've, they've stressed that she trusts everybody on the field. Anyone who's on the field can score a goal on the offensive end. And, and that's what we've seen. And I think that that might help, you know, down the road. Because teams have thrown th- two or three defenders at Bella. And all she has to do is pass to somebody who's wide open and is capable of scoring. And, and that's what we've seen. So, you know, I think it's good. And. And we'll see what happens. They they've got a you know don't have any more ranked opponents left on the schedule. Couple couple good opponents on the schedule, but uh, we'll see how they do before they uh, you know have I think what three or four contests before they have the term. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up, I think they're heading to Nashville to play Vanderbilt, one of those new conference opponents where you know that the conference season looked completely different. Uh, a lot of new yeah, uh, new experiences there uh, playing in the American. Uh, which you know, as you know, we've mentioned before, Sun Belt does not have lacrosse, men's or women's. Um, so the JMU women are playing in the Sun Belt, are playing in the American, and uh, doing quite well in their first season in a in a pretty solid, pretty solid league. Yeah, doing well enough that I think just about any other team on uh, campus would be happy with the success they're having. Um, football team right now in spring practice spring drills i think they're gonna have similar expectations for themselves going in to this season but um you know one of the things that's been mentioned sort of recently there um at practice is that they're preparing for what's going to be i mean i think you know without a doubt the toughest schedule jamie football has ever faced Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, they're playing FCS schedules up until last year, and it should be much more difficult. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, but, uh, you know, how well they did last year against, you know, their divisional opponents, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they've got, you know, Virginia on the schedule who could be good, might not be good, but you have the two best Sunbelt West opponents on the schedule. So, mm-hmm. as Curtis Signani likes to stress, Arkansas State and Texas State are not on the schedule this year. Just South Alabama and Troy, the top two teams from the West. So, you know, he, he really likes to make that a point. So I think, you know, the, the point has been made to his team. Yeah, you, it, 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 you, uh, you hit on it. That, that seems to be something that gets repeated during practices. Um, maybe if focus isn't there, that, you know, 
Arkansas State and Texas State. And Texas State might not be Texas State this year either. Um, but it, but that, yes, they probably caught a break in their West schedule last year. They almost certainly did not catch a break in their West schedule this year. No, complete opposite. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm kind of looking at it and a successful season for JMU might mean playing at Troy twice this year. I mean, with the possibility of, you know, a conference championship game. Um, but or they could host the conference championship game. They could. If they have a better record. They could. I'm saying it might. Uh, <laughs> it might mean playing at Troy twice. But, you know, that's not um, it's not an easy task to uh They also still need at. that waiver approved. But, you know. Yes, but, um, yeah, I mean, Reggie Brown, I don't know if he's uh, completely tied into, like, what's happening with the uh, administrative stuff. But, you know, he, he, he said – the other day, they're playing for something this year. They're playing for well, championship, and uh, I think they're assuming because I've, from what I've heard, they don't know yet, yeah, and that they won't know until probably yeah end of next month, but or early summertime. So I think they're assuming because you know yeah three in conference in in your first season in the FBS, they've got the facilities to do it, they've got the money to do it. Don't see why it would get denied, but it has been officially said yet. Yeah, the, the assumption has has always been there. It's always been the plan. Um, I think, you know, the dates on when things happen seem to, like, uh, fluctuate a bit based on... Um, it's the NCAA. Everything, yeah. Everything fluctuates. You know, net rankings, waiver approvals, you know, everything just fluctuates a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> I do think that that's probably still where things are heading. Uh, maybe getting a little bit ahead of ourselves too, as we start, you know, talking about you know waivers and uh, schedule and everything. Um, probably most most interesting last right now is just um, what's happening in practice. Who's looking good? Who's not even playing at all right now? Um, why don't you just kind of give us a recap of you know what's happened over the past couple weeks? Um, I don't think there's any like you know significant or surprising injuries at this point. People are a little banged up, or other people are recovering that we're expected to. But who's not playing right now? First, just to you know, just to kind of you know uh, fill people in on you know who's who started taking the spring off. Yeah, I mean you know it's, so I'll start with like guys that are limited. You know Nick Kidwell and Tanner Morris both on the offensive line. Signature said it. They're limited, but. I think they, they've been practicing a pretty good number of, of days, um, you know, but they're obviously limited with, you know, off-season surgeries and stuff like that. Isaac Luku is a guy who's pretty much taking his spring off. I mean, he's out there conditioning, but he's not in pads. He's not have a helmet on, but he's out there being a leader. And, you know, I think we talked to him about that um, earlier this week. Um, but those are kind of the main guys. There's also a few other guys that are banged up, you know, limited, things like that. But overall, it's a lot better situation than they were in last year where, I mean, they had, what, almost 20 guys out for spring ball with different injuries or whatnot or got hurt during spring ball. Um, so, I mean, they've got guys that are banged up here and there. But um, I think overall they're probably happy where they are health-wise a lot better than a year ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you look at some of those guys you mentioned, uh, you know, Isaac Guglu, he, he probably could have taken the spring off <laughs> regardless of his injury status yeah. if, if he did, like, came to him and said that. He needed that uh, coming in as a, they also a, call him Grandpa Ukwu, a, so. a seven-year veteran. Like you know, if he was a seven-year NFL player, he'd be like considered <laughs> considered an old guy that uh, you know doesn't need 
doesn't need a you know he, he camp those, like uh, those veteran rest days during camp yeah yeah so you know him sitting out getting healthy is got to be considered a pretty good thing uh you mentioned the offensive lineman you know kidwell morris the the offensive line in general coming back uh as an intact unit um might almost be better to have some of the other guys getting the reps in the spring to a certain degree you know signetti's mentioned you know wesley bostic uh playing well kind of you know taking advantage of uh getting looked at a little closer um do, do you see just see that in general like that the guys who are missing are guys you could almost like say this is there's a little bit of a diamond in the rough situation here you know or a silver lining where you know we we don't need to see what these guys can do but you know it's nice to see what some other guys can do yeah for those guys i mean they already know what you're getting out of you know the veteran guys that have established starters i mean all of those guys have started for two seasons or more um so i think that that's just a plus i mean i don't think it's really a big deal there's there's a couple guys that are banged up they'd probably want on the field right now but it's okay i think they'll be fine like, yeah they're not missing you know a whole position group to to an injury which i feel like last year we saw you know true freshmen running with the ones that ended up you know wide receivers really banged up last year mm-hmm. and we saw a guy like peyton hunter running with the ones for most of spring a year ago and that's not the case now yeah um you know you mentioned wide receiver and being banged up, and that, that's still somewhat the case that their wide receivers are a little banged up. But, um, but yeah, the, it's guys who are like missing a little time here and there, not like just missing the entire yeah. spring. Um, but that is a position group that you know has been mentioned, guys in and out a little bit. Um, I don't know how much uh, maybe Signetti's getting a see of all the transfer wide receivers that came in. Uh, which is probably something he was hoping to get to see a little bit more of this spring. Yeah, I mean, we I think, you know, he mentioned it when talking about the um, the corners, saying they haven't really been tested other than Reggie Brown. Yeah. So I don't know if that means that, you know, some of the transfers might be in and out, or are they just not, you know, performing to the level that they wanted to right now? I don't know. Um, I mean. He had mentioned that Elijah Surratt, Surratt was uh, one of the guys who is banged, banged up a little bit. Yeah. I think, I don't know exactly how much he's. I don't know exactly how much he's playing so far right now. Um, and another guy, I think he's one of those guys that I think he probably would expect to be a uh, significant test for the DBs um, if he's available. I think they're pretty high on him. Yeah, I mean, I've seen him out there a few times in and out, but, you know, I think that it's okay. I mean, but we'll see what they do. You know, we'll see in the spring game. Um, I wouldn't imagine. I would imagine the guys that are in and out probably want to be playing in that, you know, get some film other things going but uh yeah you know other than that everything else looks to be uh a-okay yeah you haven't heard much about like oh this guy's like knocked out for a spring or this guy's got you know an injury or a significant injury or it's gonna have to have surgery or anything i haven't heard hardly anything to that degree yeah it's more of those just sort of nagging it's all the uh nagging or they had surgery yeah in, in like january or something yeah um and you know it seems like the wide receivers not surprisingly, given what they've lost and what they brought in, it just seems like that's a topic of conversation each time, you know, somebody's available to talk at practice, uh, like who's going to step up, you know, Reggie Brown getting healthy, um, the reveal the other day from Signetti that, you know, he was basically told he was out for the season and basically said, no, <laughs> I'm yeah, not. It was, a, it was, I think a 
broken finger. I mean, I heard a rumor about it last year during the year, but now it kind of confirms that. I think he yeah. broke something in his hand or dislocated something in his hand, something like that. Um, he did it at Louisville early in the game, and and yeah, he came back for that Coastal game with two catches, 55 yards, a touchdown. So I think, you know, that was a good way to end his year last year and, you know, move into this year where he's wide receiver one going into the in the fall camp probably and probably going into the year. Yeah, and, you know, not to be – not in this day and age that you necessarily advocate for anyone playing hurt or putting themselves at risk. But um, I think it does show a lot of toughness, a lot of grit, a lot of, you know, leadership capabilities that this is a guy that was that hard to keep off the field. Like there, There's a lot of people who, when told they're done for the season with that kind of injury, are going to accept it. And this is a guy who who just didn't accept that you know, he was going to be done for the season. He worked his way back in. And um, now he's probably got to be considered the leader of that unit, both as a talented performer and just a guy who's back and understands this program. Yeah, he is. Obviously, he's got the most yards coming back. I mean, there's only two receivers entering spring that had to catch last year. Ridge Brown and Peyton Hunter. I think Peyton Hunter had one or two. But, yeah, you know, I think he's definitely the leader. And it's obviously, you know, I could have told you, I think that would have been the idea, you know, right after the Coastal Carolina game when you look at who's leaving, who's coming back. He's probably going to be the guy. I um, mean, you know, he embraces it. And I think, you know, that's really good to see out of Reggie, who, you know, it's his last go around and he's trying to make it count. Yeah. Um, you know, Amarion Dawson is another guy who's gotten mentioned um, in terms of the wide receivers as um, someone who seems like he's probably going to be a pretty, pretty key guy. Uh, as part of the unit yeah he is i mean he's a you know slot guy five nine i believe you know from south florida it would be a nice addition to the room you know they've also talked about Jaden mines a guy who was a freshman last year you know he got on the field on special teams at times he did make an appearance in an offensive play last year it was a run so it didn't didn't matter but um he was out there so i think he's a guy who could be underrated but i also think you know some of these freshmen coming in in the summertime couple of them probably have some talent enough talent to push mm-hmm. to get on the field yeah um like you said similar to last year there were guys in the spring who were um in the mix getting the reps and everything who basically were passed up by fall uh more by guys who were injured last year but yeah it does seem like there are gonna be some more bodies just coming in uh by the late summer um so yeah the wide receiver unit is going to continue to be a bit of a mystery, I guess, until uh, we get to see some actual action in the spring game here coming up in a, in a few weeks. Yeah, we'll see it uh, on April 22nd. Yeah. You know, nice little afternoon. I think it's in the afternoon, um, you know, at Bridgeport Stadium. So that would be good to see. And we'll see the quarterbacks out there in a game-like situation for the first time. And uh, we'll see the, the receivers and we'll see the chemistry they built. Because Reggie says he thinks that they threw a lot more this offseason than they did last year with Tots and Tails. So he worked out last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mentioned in the quarterbacks, and, um, you know, everybody always wants to talk about the quarterbacks. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know if Signetti planned it, but he gave us the little tease in his availability early in the week. And then, you know, he wasn't going to talk on Thursday to uh, kind of answer the question when he said on Tuesday that. By the time he went in, watched the yep. tape of that day's practice, he was going to kind of pare down the quarterback battle a little bit. They'd had four guys, all four scholarship quarterbacks, sharing those first-team reps, and you know thought it would be more productive to narrow that down to a couple of guys. But then he's not available on Thursday to kind of answer the question of, okay, which 
which two did you narrow it down to? Um, I think we can probably have our guesses, but um, that will obviously be, you know, one of the things that everybody wants to see when the spring game does come around. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's it's now is the time for him to pare down a little bit because they scrimmage on Saturday. They'll scrimmage tomorrow. They'll scrimmage next mm-hmm. Saturday, and then they have the spring game the weekend after that. So now it's time to do it because uh, I don't think you can run four different full teams in a, in a scrimmage. So obviously you yeah. have to figure that one out. Obviously uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see – couple guys rotate in and out you know split some mm-hmm. time with the group but um probably a third team um uh, but we'll see i think there's a lot of assumptions could be made but we'll find yeah. out on tuesday the next time we get to talk to um chris ignetti about uh what he's first of all how the scrimmage went and second of all where his head stands with the, the quarterback battle because obviously i don't think you want to take a four-way quarterback battle you know into a scrimmage because we tough as i said and i don't think you want to take yeah. that into spring to be honest but yeah, and I, I just, you know, you're getting a lot more done if, uh, you know, a couple of guys are getting uh, significant snaps. I think the assumption would be that one of those two guys would be Jordan McLeod. If it's not, then that's where the real question marks kind of begin. Um, but I don't think anybody's heard anything. Uh, no, Nothing really negative about any of the uh, four quarterbacks at this point. Um but I don't think anything, you know, super surprising either, I guess, uh, at this point. Well, like you said, we'll find out a little bit more next week. Yeah, we'll find out more next week on it. Uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, the, the scrimmage this weekend and the scrimmage next weekend are close. But then we see the open scrimmage, just like everybody else. Yeah, yeah, close scrimmage. I, I was jealous uh, on my Twitter timeline last night that uh, Corey Diaz, who covers Louisiana football um, out there in Cajun country, he he was watching. Well, that was their spring game. That was their spring game. They moved it inside. Okay, yes, that was their right. spring game. He, I thought he just saw that that, that was like it just no. Like a but scrimmage. there are some FBS schools that do have open scrimmages. Oh yeah, and in the Sun Belt, I would say that Southern Miss allowed their media to watch mm-hmm. Vanderbilt football. Obviously, Vanderbilt being you know an SEC program, not the best SEC program, but they allowed their media to watch. It's just program by program basis. Different teams run it different ways. Yeah, and you kind of just roll with what you got. Uh, yeah, obviously it would just be. Uh, it would be very nice. It would be nice to see like a little scrimmage, uh, before the spring game, but you know, I think you know Signetti even might enjoy it more than he thinks because you know spread those questions out a little bit more, uh, <laughs> have more intelligent questions to ask him. Uh, <laughs> uh, but you know, that that's another topic for another time. Um, you know, we mentioned spring scrimmages we can talk a little bit about what uh has been a kind of popular topic around college football here the last couple days is the idea tossed out in uh alabama about hugh freeze yes um about scrimmages against other teams in the spring mixed feelings about that idea i think probably if you're a, a group of five program uh I guess first, no. Do you think that's something that's ever going to happen? No. Yeah. I don't. I don't think because here's the problem. If you're going to play your spring game against another team, there is no way that the better team, quote unquote, would come to your spring game. You have to go to them. So in the example mm-hmm. that Alabama's using, Hugh Freeze threw it out there, head coach at Auburn, about you know playing Troy or, or UAB and the other playing Alabama. 
Well, if that was the case, then Troy would have to go to Auburn. And, you know, would a team want to get on a bus and play their spring game somewhere else when the spring game is kind of meant to let your guys play in their own stadium? Like, that's the only question I have for number one. Number two, I don't think the NCAA would ever allow football to play a scrimmage like that. Yeah, It's the only sport that doesn't have the opportunity to play a preseason game. Because mm-hmm. every other sport has the opportunity. You see, soccer right now has scrimmages. Volleyball's got scrimmages going on right now in the spring. In the fall, you lacrosse has fall ball and things like that. So, yeah, I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I see a lot of issues with it. Like like you mentioned. Um, also, if somebody gets know, hurt. Yeah. I think you'd probably have um, you'd probably have more players tend to want to opt out of that kind of thing. Like, you know. Yeah. Nobody's intentionally going to hurt. Jordan McLeod in JMU's spring game this Nobody's year. Nobody's going to hurt the other. You're going to put a non-contact on yeah, Kordak. But, but the, still, the, the like, question is more of like, you know, you, you're you're running a risk of getting a skilled position player hurt in a game that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Because, yes, you're not going to hit the quarterback. It's a given, right? Because, you know, teams know that in just being in practice. But even if you told a team, hey, only hit at 50%, a running back running downhill is going to try to barrel through a linebacker mm-hmm. in that situation. Yeah. Like, that's just a fact, especially if they're on the other team. So there's pl- there's pros and cons. Like, right now, obviously, the defense in the spring game looks really good. Why? Because they practice against the offense every day. They kind of they understand the play calls that are coming in. They understand Jamie's terminology. So, I mean, there's plus. Like, there would be a pro to having a different team on the field in that case. But, like, there's too many cons right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you talked about other sports, what they do. Um, you know, basketball does this. They have the scrimmages, but they're closed. And I don't think anybody's talking about doing these as closed no. scrimmages in football. Um, you know, you also talked about, you know, playing the teams that have to travel. I could see some alternatives to that. What, you, what you're going to end up with is what the NCAA has been trying to rate in, like, for a long time here. Um, where, you know, like Michigan was going all over the country and the world to have their camps wherever their recruits happened to be, you would have that where like, you know, um, let's have an MTE for spring games. Yeah. Like <laughs> Michigan would go play a spring scrimmage at, you know, Cal state Northridge or whatever. Like, I don't even know if they have a football program, <laughs> but like, if that's where the best quarterback in the country was from, you know, five teams would be knocking on their door to go play the scrimmage there. Or, or even like, you know, you mentioned like, um, Auburn and Alabama, maybe they would go play it at, UAB because that is where like a good chunk of their alumni and stuff are or like you know maybe Virginia Tech would go play at Norfolk State because you know it just it's instead of having to play a regular season game at ODU where they have it's been a house of horrors for the Hokies but these, like these throw schools? throw your throw your 757 alumni and fans and everything a bone by going yeah. to play your spring game there instead um but I think that's stuff that the NCAA has been trying to rein in recently i don't think they're going to open the door to like that again and as has also been mentioned is you know jmu is trying to get you know a two for one with somebody in the acc or something and instead of that they're going to say why don't we just do spring game instead um yeah because the basketball team already deals with that situation um and you know as much as you know fans of sunbelt schools worry about their scheduling you don't want to give them that out in football, too. Yeah, you don't. And I think you know, that, that that also brings that up because, you know, why would, you know, for example, Jamie's playing Virginia this year. Why would Virginia agree to schedule that? Like, oh, we'll spring game it. We'll come yeah, to you. We'll, we'll find out what we have. And, yeah. 
No, they won't do that. I, you know, I think that this is kind of a way that um, things go. Obviously, changing this play takes a while anyway. So even if this were to happen, would not be like a next year kind of thing. Um, so we'll see. But I doubt it. Yeah. But in the meantime, we have the old traditional spring game to look forward to here uh, April 22nd uh, for JMU. And, you know, we'll be out there. Um, should be fun. Should be a learning experience to find out a little bit more about this team where um, a mixture of lots of familiar faces, especially on defense. And, you know, our first look at, like, what uh, some units are really going to look like. Uh, so looking forward to that. Uh, but we'll have another episode of the Purple and Bullet Cop podcast in the meantime, between now and then. Um, Probably two, actually. Yeah. I mean, assuming we get in here to record uh, every week in the offseason. But, oh, sure. uh, yeah, we'll, we'll figure that one out. But in the meantime, uh, you have been listening to the Purple and Bold podcast uh, from the Daily News Record. Uh, I'm Shane Metlin. I've uh, been here with Noah Fleischman. And thank you for tuning in 